Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Doug Furley. He is the CEO, owner, president, you name it, of where we are right now, Shock City Studios. Hi. Good morning. Do you love how we just like, so we, we had a guest that couldn't show and you were nice enough to come in and say, Mish, I'll do this. Yes. Um, I, uh, I was, um, I had time on my hands. I, I went to the dentist <laughs> this morning and my face is numb you can't and I was just, tell. and I was just sitting in the office, just like waiting for it to unnumb itself so I could, <laughs> so I could do so. So why not? So that's, I'm here. That's always okay. fun. The dentist, right. isn't it? So if I start drooling on myself, I'll let you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll like. You won't you, be able to. Do we have hear napkins in the studio? <laughs> right. So so this is an. I love this place. I don't know if you know this. How much I love it. But it's fun, I isn't it? Love Shock City Studios. Yeah, I um I have told many people about it, and I love Sam and Debbie very much. So we're in good company. Nice. Well, <laughs> we like to. I mean, it's. You know, the, all the artwork and furniture and everything has been kind of curated over the last 10 years. It's and great. it's just kind of like, you just walk in and you just feel like, I think people, they say, like, I feel creative. Yes. And I feel like I've never worked so quickly because I'm just kind of like, you know, it's just quirky and fun. And, you know, we don't, we don't really, um, you know, we don't sell whimsy around here. I don't, you know, wouldn't say that it's like whimsical, but it's, um, you know, I don't know. It's clever. <laughs> <laughs> I like, no, it is. But everyone, every guest I have that comes here is like, oh, they, this is so awesome. They love the space. Yeah. So when you were creating this, I mean, first of all, how'd you come upon this building? Like, why did you decide that's where I'm going to go build a studio? Well, there were, so I had a previous business partner and we knew um, some photographers and they found the building first. And so they were like, hey, we're thinking about buying this building. It's kind of falling down. But these guys were kind of like squatters anyway, you know. They were, this was down when like Washington Street here in St. Louis was just not developed, and gotcha. they were in kind of like a falling down building anyway. So they found this building, and they're like, "Hey, maybe you guys can like sublease from us." And so we came over and we took a look, and we're like, "Oh my God, this place is really falling down." But they were like, <laughs> "Oh no, you know, we're gonna like put ladders over here and do all this stuff," and we're like, "And so anyway, it fell through. There, the sale fell through. Not that the building was even, it, the price wasn't even that high. It was falling down." falling down ice factory and so then we kind of like stepped in we're like do you guys mind if we kind of like you know we can probably do this the shock city was actually a, an artist development company uh before it was ever a recording before it was ever a public recording studio so it was really? a private, yeah so what we did was i was in a band called gravity kills and after gravity kills this industrial rock band after we stopped kind of like actively doing albums and after 10 years um, I got into um, artist development with uh, with uh, bands or solo artists and stuff like that. And back in the, that was very lucrative back in the day. And uh -huh. so, you know, we made a lot of money doing that. And we we always had a private recording studio here in St. Louis. And then we thought, well, why don't we, um, you know, kind of go we. We had our private studio, but it was only for tracking. It wasn't for really, it was, it was always like in a house or in another rented space and we couldn't really mix. So wait, what um, does that mean, tracking? So for tracking those of is us kind of like when, do this. Well, so tracking is, and yeah, we, we kind of get that a lot around here. I think people kind of get the, the terms mixed up a little bit, but tracking is basically when you stick a microphone on something. So okay. we're going to put a microphone like on our voices or on the guitar or over a drum set. Gotcha. And so we're going to track and we're going to either track things all together or maybe separately. And then mixing is kind of like when you're going to take all of those different tracks and put them into a stereo file like you hear on Spotify or you hear on the radio and stuff like that. So then we mix. Gotcha. So we were tracking, but we couldn't mix in St. Louis because we visited the other studios in town and we just didn't. I mean, I knew what to expect out of a recording studio because I'd done three albums on, you know, with major record labels. Right. And so I, you know, that's what I had done. I was a music producer and I'd done a lot of remixes. And so I knew what to expect. And as we visited these other studios, we were like, mm. so we were going to Nashville. We would track up here. And then for mixing, we would travel. We'd go to Nashville. We went up to Madison um, one time up to Smart Studios, uh, which isn't around anymore. And then it was like, you know, I think we went down to Nashville one time to mix and we'd go down there for a couple of weeks. And that's a long time to be away from, you know, your friends right. and family and stuff like that. And we got caught in a snowstorm one time, 
And then that's I kind of put my foot down and I was like, okay, I'm not dying for the job. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, like, forget Just this. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It was in the middle of the night in a bad snowstorm and, and it was like, I'm no. So it's like, let's build a place. And so then when we, you know, um, the our drummer in Gravity Kills, his name's Kurt Kearns, and he was working for an architecture firm here in town and he ran their media division. So when we we're like, Kurt, we're thinking about buying this building. And he said, well... You know, we can do all the architecture for you guys, all the designing, um, but there's things that um, – there's more to it than that. I think that um, this is a kind of a, a really good opportunity for you guys now that you're buying the building. And what our company does also is um, we can get you – um, federal tax credits and state tax credits for your ah, building. And okay. there's probably some, you know, brownfield environmental remediation. Like as much money as you guys think it's going to cost to maybe work, flip this building, we can, we can put you in touch with the right people and the right, um, you know, attorneys and file the right paperwork to be able to get all this money. So, and that stuff, does, that stuff doesn't really exist anymore. They really pulled back on that stuff. So we're talking about 2006 okay. when we were doing this. So, when you take a look at this building and take a look at Shock City, like this build out, like these walls and everything, you know, 45% of that was covered with tax credits. Like the inside, that's what kind of freaked us out is wow. we thought it was, oh, we're going to replace these glass block windows and put in warehouse windows and we're going to take the building back to its original glory. But they said, oh, no, the entire interior is on that you know, is on the schedule too. So we were, so we got a really nice studio. Are we doing like a little bit of a happy dance there? Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, because people come in and they say, you know, I, they're like, how, how, how does this work? Because I've run the numbers before, you know, I've looked into this and it's like, well, you know, that was when you build a million dollar studio and it only costs you a half million dollars, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's like, we appreciate the taxpayers very much. Thank you. Yeah. No kidding. But that's interesting. So it was a, it was, it was a way to develop artists, but then you, you saw the need for, well, we actually need like a studio studio. Yeah. And so it was kind of like, oh, and this is, you know, this is a studio that, that we can use and it's a real studio. It's a proper studio. There's just, and there's still nothing like it in town, you know? And, um, and uh, well, and then um, we opened the studio um, during the Great Recession, <laughs> and that was that was that's been a lot of fun. I bet. that's been that's been you know like things are fine now. I mean, we can you know we can look back and laugh. Right, but, right. But at the know, time, it was like, oh, oh man, it's like people weren't recording. People were like, I got to eat. And I got to record, and it's like eating is up here, and recording right. is kind of like eating super important all the way down at the floor. Yeah, you know. And so, you know, we were kind of like, we're miking out crickets, you know? <laughs> it's like, this is no way around here. You go back on our Google calendar, and it's like, how it was like, you know, we booked like four hours in a week. And it's like, you know, and like, that was a lot, you know? It's like, Ooh, we had that. We were week. kind of like, it's so like, because I look eat. back and I'm like, I don't even know. Maybe, you know, I have amnesia, or maybe, you know, maybe, you know, you God, God erases out. your brain. It was just too painful. Certain, but it's like, you know, Wow, you know, <laughs> and that went on for, and we just kind of like, I think the other studios in town, they were just like, you know, they, you know, we're, we're really, we're a lot of studio for St. Louis. We're a lot. Yes. And we, you know, we like there's major cities that don't have anything like this for sure. I mean, we're the largest studio outside of you know, Nashville or Chicago, like in the Midwest. There's nothing like this in Missouri and there's nothing like this in Southern Iowa. That's or, awesome. You know, in Illinois and, or, you know, there's this giant footprint. And um, I think that the other studios were just kind of like, they'll never make it, ah. you know? And so um, kind of what we're finding out now is, you know, now that it's 10 years later and they're the, there's the other kind of, what I call like major minor studios are kind of starting to, you know, rattle and some of them are, you know, stopping gotcha. <laughs> and stuff like that. But they're they're rattling and the doors are starting to fall off, you know. That um, you know, when 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 I th- you know, as we kind of got going, we definitely pulled money kind of like out of the marketplace anyway and it was probably kind of a, you know, a fragile marketplace to begin with, but they you know, and and kind of like the research that we've done and you know, the stories that we hear where they they kind of stopped making as they stopped being profitable kind of right away. And so gotcha. they kind of carried on, carried on. 
And then they're kind of like, oh, they're in kind of like loss mitigation. Kind of like, okay, well, let's start letting go of some staff. Maybe we don't need um, a sales anymore. Maybe the studio manager can go and we'll stop maintaining our equipment. And they've been just kind of like, right. you know, kind of like as we've been, you know, kind of crawling along on our elbows, they went down to their elbows too. And they're like, gotcha. who's going to, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> who's going gonna, gonna, gonna to last make longer? This? Right, exactly. And so now they're, you know, their elbows are really sore. That is <laughs> so cool. Anymore. And so they're finally starting to kind of like, it's all starting to, the marketplace is starting to even out fall, a little bit. Fall, fall apart. It will oh, no. us leaving us standing yet. Yeah, so that's. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll get back. I want to learn more. This is interesting stuff. We'll be back. We'll be right back. Okay, we are back with Doug Furley, and we're talking about his baby, Shock City Studios, where I record my podcast, and I'm learning such great history about this place and what happened. But so you guys, I mean, so I will tell you, as a person that started podcasting here, having no clue about anything audio, anything, right? people would say to me, your recording is so good. Where do you do this? Mm-hmm. And then I would say Shock City Studios. And yes. Some people had heard of you. Some people, the people that knew you would go, oh, well, that makes sense. They're amazing. Right. And then other people were like, where is it? I should probably go check it out. <laughs> we, we, get a, we still get a lot of that. <laughs> it's <laughs> like then, we've been around for 10 years. Like next year is our 10-year anniversary. It takes a while to get you the word out here sometimes, Well, and we I don't think. do a lot of advertising. We never have. And it's all been kind of our reputation and, and word of mouth. And maybe that's a little bit longer road. But you know what? It it's it keeps a, us honest. Yeah, and, and it's it makes sustainable. Sure, Right, and you everything can, that leaves here, you know, has to be, you know, shock city quality. Yeah, you know, right. Um, so it's a it's a you know longer tail business plan, but it works for us. So tell us about your your past. Tell us about Gravity Kills. We got to know what was that like. Where did you like what? Well, that was a half a lifetime ago. How was that experience? Well, I may look young, but I'm a. Don't let the looks fool you. I'm a, I'm a broken old man <laughs> from being a rock star. So that was I know it's 10 years and that's probably the general life of a of a of a band, but so what ended up happening was and so if people don't know, we had a song called Guilty. It was kind of like our big hit and it was in the movie 7 mm-hmm. with Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. Yes. And so and then we were in, you know, a bunch of other movies. We were in um Mortal Kombat. I got a platinum album uh, for Mortal Kombat up in uh, up in my office. That thing sold like a million copies in oh like two weeks. So that's what they told us. So we were on this record label called TVT, and with uh, and Trent Reznor had just left, and so and they were um, they had acquired Wax Tracks and they had uh, they had a lot of bands, but they had you know a handful of industrial rock bands, and so TVT was doing the they were putting together the soundtrack for the movie. And so they, and it was one of the first transactions that we had with the label where they, we kind of like got signed and, and uh, before we even mixed our album, we had just demos. And so the, 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 the version of guilty that you hear in seven is not like, it's one of the very first mixes of it actually. But, um, but in, um, in Mortal Kombat, that's actually the demo version um, of our of one of our songs in that that I mixed on that little oh I'm sorry hit the what? microphone I got excited I'm sorry I'm getting this it's is all, exciting I'm getting all, all right. worked up I'm getting emotional talking about so that kills. little console right there was actually uh, mixed um, uh, all of our all of our gravity kill stuff really? that's how long that that console's been in in service oh my but, gosh so anyway uh, so off topic so where was I this is interesting so, TVT gives us a call and they're like so we want to put um, Oh my God! I don't even. I forgot what song is in. Uh, what song is in Mortal Kombat? Is it? Um, <laughs> it's um, here. Oh wait. So let's just say it's here. Okay, I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna go with that. Right. It's been a long time, and so um, so they give us a call and they're like, so um, we want to put the song in, in a movie, and we're like, okay, sounds pretty good, and they're like, it's called Mortal Kombat, and we're like. Wait, the video game? The video game is going to be a movie? This is before they had turned video games into like movies. And so we're like, and they're like, yes, the video game. And we're like, no. 
effing way. That's not going to happen. <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? And they're like, wait, it's a video game, right? And they're turning it into a movie. That sounds really stupid. I don't think we want to be associated with something like that. And they're like, well, okay, that's fine. But I got to tell you, remember like we gave you guys that $100,000 advance on your publishing? And we're like, yeah. And they're like, you kind of got to pay that back and everything, you know? And we're like, yeah. And they're like, word on the street is this album that you're going to be put on is going to sell like a million albums in two two weeks. And like, that's pretty much like everything you're going to make as far as like any residual income or like your like, you know, all of that publishing will kind of like go to pay down that debt. What do you guys think? And we said, oh, oh, okay. oh okay. Yes, sir. We're on board. <laughs> Wait, it sounds a lot better. <laughs> Wait, like, I like this idea of turning how, a video they, game into a movie. I mean, I tell movie. you what, they called it. Like within two weeks, I'm unwrapping like a box and like there's a platinum album. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, we're in the credits of the movie, but we're in it nonetheless, you know, which That's is fine. So cool. And a platinum record a platinum record. So So when you were doing Gravity Kills, I mean you like how many so and we cities did, did you tr did you go do international? Well, we I mean, did. We did tr we tr we traveled international. We did open up we opened up for the Sex Pistols on their reunion <gasps> tour. Stop. Yeah. And so we did the entire tour. Oh my gosh, that had to be interesting. Yeah. And so we, um, well, and actually wait a Kurt minute. reminded me In the other day. In the reunion tour, who was Sid then? Who was Sid part of that? No. No, they, the, no, he This dead. was, yeah, I know. So who they, did Paul Sid? Cook. They brought Paul Cook. Paul, Paul Cook, Cook really? Yeah, and actually, out of all the guys, he was like the happiest to be there. He was just like, he's the original bass player. But do you think Johnny Rotten is ever happy? I don't think so. Every, he always looks upset and not happy. Um, I I was really always intimidated by him. Probably. So a I hung out idea. with Steve Jones. I hung out, you know, like he was always just like I don't know. I'm, you know, these guys know we kind of get the occasional, you know, big name celebrities or somebody yeah. that come through. Down, and I don't really like to bother anybody, and I just kind of like let them do their things because we're all about privacy here, and it's not like you know what I mean. I, I kind of don't, I don't want to turn into fanboy and I don't want these guys to do it because everybody's supposed to just come in and get, get their work do done their and thing. not be yeah. bothered and stuff Got, like that. Yeah. So, but he is, his intimidation factor is like 11. So I would just kind of like, you know, you just walk by and wave and he just always made like faces. <laughs> just kind of like, I don't want to do that. I don't do that. But, um, but Steve Jones was really cool and he was really nice and, and, um, so, but so we did that in, that entire tour. Um, when we found out, so and Kurt reminded me, our drummer, uh, he reminded me the other day. He goes, "Well, you remember um, that Gloria, our our manager, um, she wanted us to. We were supposed to go out with Third Eye Blind to open up, and that, and 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 she was upset that we chose the Sex Pistols." <laughs> It's like, I don't, re I, but I don't really remember making that decision, but it makes sense. <laughs> I you know? think so. And so, um, I would have totally but been I wonder like, how yes. our lives would have been different, you know, like had, I don't know. I mean, when people came to see the Sex Pistols, they were coming to see the Sex Pistols. Yeah. And when we were, we would trade the middle slot uh, with, um, I think that Stabbing Westward, another industrial band, they did half the tour. And then the other, they sweat, they, they did like half and they, they, we did the whole thing. So they were in and out. And but were you like on the tour, but were you like on the bus oh, yeah, thing? No, like all that we see in the movies, you know, everybody had their little sleeping thing in the bus yeah, yeah, and you yeah. went and city, the thing city, is city. That like, it went, well, I mean, just to go back to the beginning, this happened really, really fast for us. This happened, we were, there's a radio station here in town called, it's 1057 The Point. And back in... So, I mean, to go back even further, you know, not to get too deep in the weeds here, but we always had, you know, me and Kurt and and Matt, our guitar player, we all grew up in Jefferson City, Missouri, which is the state capital, a couple hours away from here, from St. Louis. And we always had a high school band. So we had a cover band and then we tried to do some kind of like, you know, there were different iterations and different, you know, we, you know, you take a crack at writing. You right. Know, as you're playing other people's songs, you kind of like learn the writing process. So we, we kind of, you know, tried to, you know, took a couple whacks at um, at doing originals in in different styles, and um, I really wasn't producing back then. And then after we all graduated from college, I actually got a film degree, and then I did some postgraduate work in audio engineering. And then I kind of applied what I learned from film school to actually like this is when digital editing was coming into into play. So I kind of self taught myself like digital editing 
music, like chopping things up and is a lot like a film where you wind up with like uh-huh. bins of, and this is really ancient history. We actually had bins of film and bins of mag tape, which is your audio. And you kind of like splice them together and you marry it and you take it apart and you put it back together and you're fiddling with your, your timing and your pacing, you know, and you build a film. And it gets undone and redone, and and then you, when it's finally done, you send it away, and and you get your print back, you know, your final print. And so, and at that process that I learned from film school, I applied, and I really got into like kind of like chopping up sounds and chopping up, you know, and, and manipulating sounds and tearing sounds apart and curating sounds. And so that's kind of where then I, you know, I um um I was I've always, I had a small recording studio in Columbia. And a uh, kind of a small media writing company with an old business partner, and we moved. I moved me to St. Louis, um, and uh, we kind of had a, a small studio up here. And um, so then, well, how do I bridge this anyway? So I don't want to get. I'm getting into a boring part anyway. Long story short, I wind up. I wind up. It kind of like it kind of fails, and I wind up. Um, at a uh, doing audio post. And so I've I own a recording studio and I'm renting my equipment to another recording studio called the Playroom with Mike Tyree and we and and so he worked in his A room and I worked for him in the B room and we did um a lot of stuff like kind of like this voiceover work right. and we were there's oh, there were a lot of major this is back in the early 90s so we still had a lot of ad agencies here in town. And so we're working on like blockbuster commercials and and, you know, um, Blockbuster Video, if anybody remembers what that I, was. I do. <laughs> I'm really aging myself in, like, this podcast. God dang. I'm turning, I'm, like, I turned 50 in, like, a month. <laughs> you know? I've already been there and done that, so <laughs> I get it. God. So, anyway, and then Kurt lives up here and Matt lives up here. So, we've got essentially the core of the band. And so, I'm kind of, like, messing around with kind of, like, building you know, music and all of us are. And the point to get back to the radio station. So they, it's 1994, summer of 94. And they're like, Hey, we're, they're kind of a new radio station. And I'm like, we're putting together a compilation of all the local bands called point of central volume one. So send in your music. Okay. And so we're like, we should do something. Yeah. Yeah. We should do something. We should do something. And Kurt's an architect and Matt's an industrial engineer. And I'm, <laughs> I'm doing audio post. And so, and it's like, okay, September 15th or whatever the date was is, you know, end of the summer and, and it's due. And so we're like all summer long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys, you always want to do something. We should do something. Yeah, you yeah. Really should. And then like, and I'm kind of working on a little piece of music, and like all summer goes by, and it's and then like let's say September fifteenth is like a Friday, <laughs> and then like the Friday before that, we're like the deadlines in like a week, and it's like yeah, I know. And then it's like, and then the weekend went by, so then Saturday goes by, and Sunday goes by, and then it's like Monday. And this whatever piece of music we think we're going to be doing is like due on Friday at five thirty. You mean like it had to business. be a, an original? Yeah. And oh, so gosh. we just start working in earnest on like Monday. You know, like Matt comes in. <laughs> we'll have this. So I have a little bit of a thing. Insa, 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 chicka, 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 insa, 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 insa. Everybody knows, right? Exactly. Sing along. And so then Matt comes in in a suit, and he's like got a lunch break, and he throws his tie over his shoulder. You know, and we're in this B room of the playroom. And I've got like, you know, I'm recording on Sonic Solutions and 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 he's cutting guitar parts. And he's like trying to hurry because he's got to get back to West back County. To he's got to get back to the office, right? So he's, oh my gosh. you know, and he's like playing his guitar parts. And so then I edit like all night long and then Kurt stops by and gives me some ideas. And then we get to Tuesday and it's kind of coming together and it's sounding pretty cool. And then I'm like, I don't hate to remind you guys, but this is an instrumental. And I just, as good as this sounds, you know, and as neat as it is, I don't think it's going to make this compilation. If it's just, you know, we should probably get some vocals. Can we call a vocalist? Does anybody have any ideas? And so we called a couple of guys that had worked with us in the past, and they're like, we're like, we're turning in a song for, for Point of Central Volume 1. You know, are you interested in coming in? Like, we don't have, have anything. Maybe you can help, you know. And they're like, <laughs> pass. Like, everybody hard passes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know? And I, you know, and so then... Well, wait, had you written lyrics by this time? No, we had nothing. So it's Tuesday night. (laughs) Or no, actually, you know what? Tuesday night goes by. We get to Wednesday. And and this thing's due Friday. And we're like, we have no vocals. We have no vocals. We have no lyrics. Like, we've got, you know, something that sounds interesting. 
And we're sitting around, and it's like 7 o'clock at night on a Wednesday, and we're at the studio, and we're like, oh, my God, what do we do? And Matt goes, you know, Kurt, your your cousin Jeff down in Dallas, who's much older than us, and, you know, we should have... And to give you his backstory, he was the guy that got us into music. Like, Jeff always had his bands in Dallas, and so... And, and made some compilations down there, and he was... And, you know, wouldn't we did... We did some light recording back back in the day down in Dallas, and we, you know, he was like our big brother. So we're like, ooh, Jeff, you know, he's going to oh, be famous Jeff? someday because oh. exactly. So like, he gave us a lot of encouragement and kind of like, you know, and so and he was like, you know, this really great singer and like super charismatic. And then Matt goes, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, we probably should have called Jeff all along. We we've, we've been trying to screw around up here trying to get our old singers. And Kurt goes, well, let's give him a call. And I'm like, no, what are you guys talking about? And 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 Matt's like, I if you if he if we give him a call and he wants to come up, I will pay for half the ticket. And Kurt's like, I'll pay for the other half of the ticket. Let's let's give him a call. I'm like, you guys are crazy. There's no way. So they get Jeff on the phone and they're like, hey. So we're sitting in the control room and he's like, hey Jeff, hey what's going on? Yeah. So anyway, um, so get this, we're working on this. Um, this is gonna sound crazy. <laughs> we're working on this song <laughs> we need you right for now. this compilation, <laughs> and we kind of have to have you fly up like tomorrow night. To sing vocals on this thing because we want to turn it in on Friday. I know it's Wednesday and it's kind of short notice, but are you in or out or what do you think you want to do? And he's like, oh, my God, I don't even know. Let me call my boss. So Jeff works for like Fox Photo, which is a photo <laughs> processing place down in Dallas. And he has to give his boss a call at Fox Photo. Can he's I like, go sing on an album? Yeah. So he goes, he calls back. He goes, OK, I talked to my boss. So here's what has to happen, though. I have to work all day Thursday. Um, so you guys put me on that puddle jumper. He's going to drive me to the airport, um, after work tomorrow on Thursday. So my flight is what, at six o'clock. So, and then I, I have to be, um, back at work at 9 a.m. His boss basically gave him no time off. He had to be back at work at like 10, 10 a.m. Oh on gosh. Friday. But his boss at least was going to like drop him off at the airport that and pick him nice. back up. So do you think the boss the whole time is thinking... What? I don't know. Every <laughs> boss that I've run into, like when I went, had to go to Mike Tyree and say, like, all of a sudden, well, we'll get to the point where it, t- it takes off. But, you know, I had to sit down with him and say, hey, this band thing's taken off. Like, I got to I gotta go do this thing. And he said, please do. You know, you're awesome. You'll always have like a seat. You know what I mean? I'll always right. have a warm seat for you if you have to boomerang back. Matt's boss did the exact same thing. When he left Gravity Kills, he was at his his firm and he said, go do your band thing. You can always come back. And Matt did 10 years later. As a matter of fact, Matt now runs the company. That's He's the amazing. president of the company. What's the company? Uh, it's um, the name might have changed, but it's a it's nobody would know it. It's oh, the, okay. They do like a, it's more of a B2B. Gotcha. They do like fasteners and stuff. Like OK. That. And um, and then in a, in a second iteration um when i left gravity kills and i became an an uh, uh i wound up as an autocad draftsman <laughs> really yes i've had many lives so it's so interesting because so you know you hear about these bands yeah and then they go away and you don't hear and you always wonder what are those people doing now you know what are they what? I, Hopefully good things. Well, I know. Hopefully things that they but like. this is all interesting. It's tough, though, because, yeah, I mean, when you've spent your prof- early professional career for 10 years doing something like being in a band, and that's the scary thing, is like, when you know, like, we knew at the end that it was ending. Right. And, oh, excuse me, and, um, you know, we weren't talking about it, but we knew because the new label that we were on, like, stopped responding to us. You know, right. and like they were not communicating at all, and it was like You're this like, is wow, bad. This we're is out on tour. Probably the end, right? And their tour support is not showing up, and we're not getting any more support. The local reps are not showing up, and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah. then you're looking, and I mean, it is a big abyss because I you're bet. like, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? This is what I've done. What I've, this is what I've done, and this is the only thing that I know how to do. And this is the only thing that I mean, being 26 and now you're 36, where it's like, you know, I'm not exactly like the youngest person out there looking for a job in what field. There's no music industry in St. Louis, not like this. Right. That's why I had to do the recordings here. That's why I had to get into, you know, because doing artist development. Well, what ha- we I I don't want us to lose the point though. Yes. Did we the point? Ha. Ah. Um, oh, did yeah. did we make it? Yeah. So then Jeff, did Jeff like, show yeah, so up. Then, 
you know, sorry, I'm kind of. I'm, I'm, That's okay. I'm a little, uh, I just want to make sure we because <laughs> I am dying to know yeah. if this thing. So Jeff flies done. in. So he lands at like six o'clock, right? And they get him off a little puddle jumper. So it makes like four stops all the way up to St. Louis, right? Like every little tertiary town you can think of, probably Branson yep. and then like Lebanon, Missouri, who knows right, what, right, right? right? And so he finally gets here and they, the, okay, we're going to Jeff to pick him up at the airport. And like an hour and a half goes by and they finally walk in at like nine o'clock and they're like, we had to stop and get him talking about he's starving to death. You know, so they kind of debriefed him and kind of like got him in, you know, and so Jeff, they boom, he walks in the studio and he's like, what do we got going on? Um, and so we play him the song, and it, he's, you know, and it's Jeff, and we learn very, later on that, you know, he's, he's you know, this is what he does. He's very intuitive. Right. And he's very, and we don't know, you know, we had cobbled this piece of music together, and I don't know what's next. So he just kind of like says, okay, I'm going to go in the booth. I'm just going to kind of start, just start playing the song. I'm just going to start, uh, we're kind of in a hurry here because, you know, I got to <laughs> kind of get, get back to work tomorrow. <laughs> and so I start playing the track back and he just kind of like, he's like, I'm just going to scat some stuff and then uh, we'll just figure it out. Right. And so we kind of go through it and we spend a couple of hours. And so he's just kind of like playing a song. Mm, ba, da, 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 and a, you know, we finally get some melodies down. There's no words. And so we finally, it's kind of like, okay, we think we have enough melodies. And I mix it down to like a, a little little tape. And they take it to the, and it's like, okay, we're, we've got some melodies. We're going to go write some lyrics. And we'll be back. I'm like, great. I got tons of stuff to do. I'm still like editing the song. I'm editing guitar parts in and stuff. And so they go to the A room. And at like 11.30 and at one in the morning, he comes in, he's like, okay, we got lyrics. And so what they did is they listened back to him scatting. So they played the tape and it's kind of like, it sounds like you're saying like, I mean, how did, and they all sat there just with their pads and they're like, hey, hey, what about like, you're saying like, hey, 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 I'm filthy, I'm filthy. And it's like, well, how about guilty? Oh yeah, I like that. <laughs> guilty. Hey, 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 I'm guilty. And you're guilty too. Guilty too. I love it. Okay, good. All right. Does that, okay, that works. And then, and that's the kind of the funny thing with Gravity Kills lyrics is like people, we always kind of like to keep them vague anyway because people apply their own meanings to lyrics. Right. But really when people like really apply, like, oh, I know what you were singing about. It's like none of mm. our songs had anything, you know, like I'm guilty. It's like one and one and one makes three. One and one, why don't you see? It's like, that's just words, man. It's like it we're in a panic. Good. Like we didn't have any time to think about what we were writing. It didn't mean anything. It's like it worked. You know, that's the best that we had. That is so <laughs> you know? interesting. And, like, and so he wa and so he just kind of like, he's like, let's go. He's like, I gotta get to bed. I got a six AM flight. I gotta get, I gotta back, get back to, back Fox to work. photo. Exactly. It's like I gotta get a couple of hours of sleep. So let's just like let's boogie. And so he just like starts singing you know and we're kind of going through and i'm getting good takes from him you know to edit later on and then like at three he's like see ya dude and he takes off and i slept for, i got up i slept for a couple of hours i got up i i had so much still to do because this wasn't like this is kind of digital editing and the the, the computers were just super slow right you know and even like you know this is the early days like this is you know, Sonic Solutions isn't even around anymore. This this editor, Pro Tools, was around, but they called it Slow Tools, you know, <laughs> about how they felt about it. And they, I don't even know if anybody was, they were kind of like taking stuff off of tape and maybe putting it into Pro Tools and manipulate and then flying it back to tape. Like, we don't use tape anymore, just to let everybody know if you don't know how the recording studios work. Like, you know, it's all computers. Really? That's what Sam gives and me so, as a cassette tape. It's so <laughs> slow. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like having to take like samples off of, you know, putting on the computer and then I'm actually sampling them back to a sampler onto like individual keys. Like this key here is like unsa, unsa, unsa. And this one is, you know, chicka, 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 chicka. And I'm, and I'm having, you know, and I'm building a song in MIDI. how do you even get MIDI. this to the point though? I mean, so is then, it like, and then you, it goes on all, not, like, I'm working all day. This? I edit all day. I edit all day. I edit all day. And then I finally get like a mix and we, let's do it like five o'clock and we literally get there at like, 4.55, like we're knocking on the door, like, please, 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 please. Hopefully they didn't leave early. Does anybody left early? And they answer the door, and, you know, guard always answers the door at these media places, right? And we're just like, hi, we got a... It's really got, important. Like, it's really important. We got a dad to drop off. And, the, and so we go to the front desk. She's like, thank you. And we're like, 
okay, well, you know, that like us, that. That took us like a week. Yeah, and then we go sit in the car and we're like, yeah, exactly. And it was like nonstop, like really frenetic working for like an entire week. And then we're just kind of like, okay, now well, what? Now what? And it's like, now we wait until December. Oh, I think gosh. they were going to announce, or like end of November. It really was. It was like September, October, November. So we turn in this thing and we're like, well, I'll see you guys later. You know, and everybody went back to their jobs. Kurt goes back to being an architect. You know, we'd spent like all week together. And, uh, and you know, Kurt goes, Matt goes back to doing his thing and time goes by and time moves on. And so finally, like a month later, Kurt gives me a call and he goes, something's weird's happening. And I said, what? <laughs> and he goes, okay, so anyway, so, you know, we at, at, at my work, we kind of go out to lunch every once in a while. So I put the, I put, you know, I made a cassette copy of the song. And so when people get in the car, you know, we go out to lunch, I'm like, you know, my, my work associates, I'm like, hey, you guys want to hear something? They're like, sure. And I put in the tape. He's like, people freak out. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, they start like slamming themselves up against like the back seats and stuff like that. And they start laughing uncontrollably. Like when they find out, like when they hear the song and it's like, oh yeah, this is our band and it's called Gravity Kills. And he's like, I'm getting this reaction from people and they can't like contain themselves. Like they start like stomping their feet on the left. They start like <laughs> just going crazy. Like, oh my God, oh my God, the song. Like, you know, like they just love it a lot. And I'm like, really? Cause you kind of like, you work on this thing and you're not really con- you're you know, too you're close so tired. To it. You're, you're so, so close, close to it. it. And, yeah. you're, and you're just exhausted and you're and you're not even thinking you're not even on like a on a conscience level, conscious level working on this piece of music. You're just kind of going moment to moment. And you're you're making decisions and, and you're you're going down paths and then you're you're changing directions and you're 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 running on pure intuition for sure. And we I'd forgot I didn't even listen. I was so tired of hearing it. I didn't even you know, I hadn't right. listened to it for like a whole month. And Kurt's like, something's yeah, something weird is going on. I'm like, well, who knows? I thought it was pretty good. We just wanted to make the album. We just wanted to, to make the compilation. We'd be like, we yay, we're be on there. Outrageous. Yeah. So then they announced. So then we're listening. Um, actually, I found the, I recorded it off the radio. I found I found the old recording the other day. And so they they announce. They're like, okay. So anyway, we're gonna announce all all ba- all the bands that made it. We got in hundreds of entries, and you know we picked like eighteen or whatever it was. And so we're listening, and we made the album. Oh and my we're like, gosh! All right, this is really great. We made the album, and then we're like, oh no, we made the album. We gotta write more songs. Like people are probably gonna want to hear more from us. We're one band with one song. <laughs> <laughs> but so, it was an awesome song. <laughs> and so we're like. Now what do we do? You know what I mean? It's kind of like the the law of unintended consequences. Right. It's like, now we got it. And it's like, well, anybody have any ideas? <laughs> and so they're, they're like, well, let's start working on something. What do we do? Well, I guess we'll just do what we did. Let's just start working on a piece of music and then fly we'll Jeff fly up. Jeff up. We'll just follow the same pattern. <laughs> I mean, it worked before. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. We'll just kind of let him hear it for the first time and just kind of do our thing. So in the meantime, so we're kind of like, okay, we start working on another piece of music. And the point calls up and they're like, so this is back in the day when they had like top 25 countdown. Okay. You know, so they call up and they're, and they're having like point essential weekends and they're just like playing everybody's songs and, and it's great to turn on the radio and we'd hear Guilty and we would hear, you know, The Urge and Sinister Dane and, you know, Bellyfield and all these bands that, that made the record and, and it was all good music and we're just like, we're just happy to be amongst you know, and some of them start to chart higher, you know, and we're listening a top 25 countdown and like the urge song is at like number 16. We're like, good for them. Really good, you know. And so then we, and a couple other songs are kind of moving up, you know, the charts at the time. So this would have been uh, in um, late fall, winter of 94. So they give us a call and they're like, you guys know you're at number 23 on the countdown, right? And we're like, no. And they're like, the phones are off the hook. And we're like, what do you mean? They're like, okay, here's the deal. Like, we know when people are like jacking the phones because they tell their friends, like, call up the point, call a friend, yeah, yeah. you know, right, and, say right, right. and they're like, they, and so they know when friends, friends are family. Right. And they're like, you know, and we can even tell when they're faking it. They're like, oh, yeah, can you play that song by that band? And they're kind of like, <laughs> you know, we know it's BS. But they're like, with you guys, we know, you know, that it's not. And we're like, we know, we don't have any friends or family up here. We don't know anybody. We didn't even tell anybody. <laughs> we're not even from here. <laughs> and so they're like, you, the phones are 
They're insane. So then we go to like, you know, number 18 and then we go to like number 14 and the other bands are starting to fall off. And then we're like, we got a bullet, man. We're like at number eight and we're at number four, you know, and then we're at number two. And then the record companies start calling. Wow. And so then, and what it, and this is, I mean, we keep talking about ancient history. You know, this is how the world worked back then is, you know, there was no internet. How, how labels found bands is they read the trade magazines. There were things called the trades, right? Mm -hmm. And so you had like Hits Magazine was one and R&R was another magazine. And basically what they did is they had articles, but they also printed all of the stations around the country, their, their top 25 countdowns. So if you were a brave, if you were a trendsetter, station, you know, you people looked at your playlists gotcha. because they were trying to protect their phony baloney jobs and they wanted to see what you were up to because if you were like K-Rock LA or K-Rock New York, you know, they could see what's working well them there is probably going to and I can justify it to my bosses like why right. are we putting This is why we're putting this, it on there. This song, you know, why are we you know, upping its spins. They call them spins during the week, you know. Why is it getting 30 spins instead of 7 or whatever? And so they're going through this stuff and, you know, they come to St. Louis and they're like, KPNT, Gravity Kills sitting at number two. Who the hell is Gravity Kills? Maybe I should find out. So they call the station. They're like, who's Gravity Kills and why are they at number two? And, you know, why don't we I know should about probably them? be impressed because yeah. like, what's going on? And they're like, oh my God, it's this band. They did one song. They hit, this, they hit our compilation and it's insane. The phones are just off the hook. Everybody wants to hear the song. You know, the station had subsequently told us, they're like, you guys need to print up some... By that time, we had three songs. Jeff had come up, and they're like, you guys need to put out a cassette. Put out a cassette. And they're like, why? And they're like, you're going to sell a thousand of them, like, right away. And we're like, no way. We're such self-doubters. <laughs> like, this whole time, we're just kind of like, what do we know? We're just, you know what I mean? We're a bunch of idiots. We're just, we just kind of like, we don't know what we're people doing. People read meetings and into our like, songs that are not there. They're like, go print up some crappy CD, or I mean, so, there weren't CDs back then, like a cassette. I mean, just, and we did this black and white cassette. And like, go put it in consignment. Run down there to... You know, Streetside Records and go to Euclid Records and oh just my gosh, hand all them a these whole places bunch. I forgot about. You remember yes. now, right? And and uh, you know, go to Vintage Vinyl. Yeah, and go turn this thing called consignment, right? And you can just kind of drop them off and apply a price, and they'll sell them, and then they'll give you your money. You just kind of like sell it on consignment. Go drop them off. Sure enough, we sell like a thousand units, right? So then our record labels are like, okay. Here's what I'm thinking. If they're doing this well, let's say St. Louis is a number, back then we were like a number 19 market, right? If they're doing this well in a number 19 market, if I extrapolate this over the entire country, you know, the problem with Gravity Kills is they're not making us any money. Got, so yeah. then they start flying in. We got TBT Records coming in and Capitol Records. And, you know, so now we're like, now we're in deep. You know, now we're, we're like, back in it. Because they start calling, now, the, now the, the station's calling us up and saying, Okay, now record labels are starting to call. What do we do? Can we give them your phone numbers? And we're like, yes. Yeah, <laughs> And right. so, you know, now it's really serious. Now it's kind of like, oh, no. You're like, we're a band and, like, our career, you know what I mean? Like, there's a whole different path ahead of all of us. What do we do? Matt's like, I don't know what to do. What if it takes off and I have to quit my job? And Kurt's like, what if I have to quit my job? Like, can I do that? I've got to... You know, like this is serious business because you got go to college and you have a career right. and it's kind of like, how is this going to affect? I could do this for a year and fall on my face and lose my career. How could I ever come back? It may take off and like, it's, this is another one of those big unknowns. Like it's exciting and this is what you've always wanted. Right. You know, and we're older. It's not like this happened when we were 18. We're 26 right. years old. Yeah. You know, Jeff's eight years older than us. Jeff was, you know. What? I Jeff mean, he's he's like old. in his like yeah. I mean, you know, he was he's like in his, in his late thirties, right? <laughs> I guess in rock, rock band world, that's old. Yeah, <laughs> but you know. And so then some of the labels got it, some didn't. We weren't. We had never played out live, so really? you can imagine, like we're a band. So the labels want to come in. Of course, they're you know they've got phony baloney jobs too that they need to protect. So they have to right. do their due diligence. Like, okay, well, let's see the band live. You know what I mean? Like they got a good recording. Can they pull it off live? They're lowering their risk. Interesting. And so okay. it's like, you guys, you know, we, you, when are you guys playing out next? And we're like, we don't. We don't. It's like, what are you guys doing? It's like, we're trying to record an album because apparently like people like our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we're a little busy right now. We've literally never played these songs. We've only built them in the studio. We've never played them like as a band 
And some that labels, most labels were just kind of like, you were going to have to do something else. Let's go see the bottle rockets, you know? <laughs> Let's go see the urge. And so, and TVT was the one, Tom Sarig, our A&R guy, he came in and he got it. And, you know, and the, the, the owner of TVT got it. Like he know, he, these guys knew, I mean, having built nine inch nails, which is kind of like, what do we do? You throw a bunch of money at it because what, what does he need? You know, gear. Why? Because we got to make all these weird sounds. So right. Well, that's like, what I was wondering. Like, you have like, to take what you did digitally or whatnot. Yeah, I try to take it to stage. And then but you also, have to make what it I was happen doing, on like, stage. You're right. But what my process was so slow that that when Tom came in and he said, "I get it. Like, I want to sign you guys to a deal. What do you need?" And I said, "I need about thirty thousand dollars more of equipment. Honest to God, like because." I'm kind of like, you know what I mean? Right. I don't have a lot and, and and it'll make the process faster and it'll give me more rich material because that's what it is. The sound, you know, that of Gravity is so Kills is the sound. Right. Yeah. And so, and it's like, I think that he thought it was like, I know there's no live show, but it'll happen. But, you know, you guys will have to figure it out. It's just, and so he was able to go back to, um, to his boss and they sent us a record deal, and then they said, um, okay. So it was like April, and we got the deal, or at least a deal memo. We got a deal memo. The, the deal only came. And so it was like, okay, you guys are mixing in October. Um, get her done. Oh, my gosh. And so that's, that's when I had so to go to my exciting. first boss and say, I just got a, a record deal, and I got to go. <laughs> You know what I mean? And so, and that's when, and, and Kurt, and I, I had saved up a little bit of money. So I said, I'm fine. You guys keep doing your jobs. I'm going to sit at, I'm going to move the studio to my house that I was renting. I'll just work, work there. And you guys stop by because you guys, they drop off like guitar parts and bass parts. And I would build a song out of it. And then Jeff would come in and sing. And it would take weeks and weeks and weeks. It would take me, I would sit at my house like so by did myself. did Jeff remain your singer? Like, did yeah. Jeff go quit Fox Photo and he joined, he was well, now part of the band? Well, nobody quit until like it was time to quit. So oh, okay. they kept working like all summer until it was like, we're going to New York City for a month to mix. And then I think it was time to start. That is so, that yeah. is super interesting. And then we played, so we come back. So we, yeah. So then we, we, we go to New York City and we mix with John Fryer for like an entire month and we come back and then we have our very, very first show and my house that I rented here in Soulard had a basement. So then now we're back to being a basement band. You know what I mean? Like back in high school, it's like we got a PA set up and we're trying to learn our songs. Right. And our show, we started rehearsing like about 10 days before our very first show and it was at a, at a venue that's not around anymore called The Other World and it was kind of like off Washington. And like the show is sold out and we're rehearsing and it's not going well. I mean, we're, oh, we no. are terrible. We cannot learn our own songs and it's going really, really bad. And we give Gloria our, a call like four days beforehand. We're like, we got to cancel the show. We cannot do this. Like for some reason, we are not locked in. We are not tight. You know, we're kind of squished ourselves in this little Soulard rough rubble foundation right. basement, you know, and we're not even lined up on like a stage or anything like that. We're not rehearsing in like any kind of like rehearsal facility. And it's just terrible. And we're trying to learn, you know, we, and um, so then like the next day we got a little bit better and the next day it started clicking. So about two days beforehand, we started to get a little bit of confidence. We'd kind of, you know, that's a lot of music to learn right. in like a week. No it's kidding. 45 minutes worth of music, right? To kind of like get down and memorize and stuff like that. And so then we're like, okay, we're going to play the show. It's probably going to be pretty bad, but we're just going to, I think we can do it. Okay. Let's try to do this thing. And, um, so we put up, so this, it's kind of a small stage in this venue and we sold it out. I, I can't even, I don't even know how many people I say 450 people or 500 people there and the room oh is just gosh. absolutely packed. We put up a giant white sheet that covered the entire stage. So we have this big, long intro. I keep hitting the microphone and so I'm getting <laughs> excited and I'm throwing my arms around. You guys can't see this. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting all wound up. <laughs> And so and I'm back on stage. It's it's 1994 in November, and we're, we start, we have this big, long intro, and the crowd's all worked up, and they're yelling and screaming, and we start to play behind this white curtain, and nobody can see us, and we're playing, and we play like half of our first song. As a matter of fact, we might have started off with Guilty. <laughs> 
God. Why not? I think we were kind of like that band, right? Just go ahead and blow our like hit song right at the beginning, right? And make everybody suffer through the rest of the show. And so then the the curtain comes down. Nobody had ever seen us. That was the exciting thing. Nobody knew what we looked like. They had heard the music. They had never seen us out live. The anticipation was like, you know, who it are was these guys? Like, what is going on? They won't reveal themselves. Like, you've got to be kidding me. You know what I mean? And that curtain gets ripped down and they just explode. They charge at us with like open arms. Like if they could have reached us, they would have torn us apart in the struggle oh my for gosh, possession. What a like wild they were, experience. They were their eyes were, you know, bulging <laughs> and they were they were in a just a, like what we might call a a uh, a heightened emotional state. Yes, I would guess like that's <laughs> what it were. sounds like. And, and are you, you guys know, like oh, keep playing, keep right, playing? Right. And it blew us back. I remember like they everybody came forward and I about fell backwards except like the back of the venue probably like stopped me, <laughs> the wall behind me, you know. And we uh, you know, we videotaped that show and so we play this entire show. And um, and you feel pretty good about you know and it was like that was amazing that was amazing and then what we that was our first time you always like we had heard like videotape yourself on stage and these are like big video cameras back right. in the day not cell phones and then like watch yourself and you're gonna learn a lot and then so this was our very first show that we videotaped and then we go back and watch ourselves and it's like. That was ridiculous. We looked really, really dumb. Like, that was horrible. And nobody knew. They don't know what to expect. You know what right. I mean? Like, they just thought it was. And I have this keyboard stand on stage. And I learned. And basically, the whole time. It's, so, it kind of rotates around. Uh -huh. I keep hitting the microphone. Well, you're rotating <laughs> huh. around. I'm sorry. I'm rotating. So, anyway, if people can go back and explore. Um, I don't know how to describe it. It's a kind of a tripod. And I've got a very large Oberheim keyboard that's bolted to it. This is all custom made, about a 400 pound keyboard stand. And the head rotates. It's like an, it's anamorphic. It's an animal, right? It's got legs. It's got a head. It's got a spine and all the cabling runs down the spine and it rotates left and right. It rotates up and down. It rotates down. I can play to people down here. I wanted a keyboard stand on stage. I didn't want to play. I, I, my, my, my parts were bass parts. Anyway, we didn't have a bass player. So Matt was on, Kurt's drummer. Jeff sings, plays a little guitar. Matt plays guitar. No bass player. I'll play bass on keyboards. Fine. I was cut to get a bass, board, bass patch. But but running, you know, over the summertime as we were thinking about this stuff, it was like, Kurt, I really, I don't feel like standing behind a keyboard stand. I mean, I have for years. I had an ultimate support stand. And you just, you look like a, you know, you look like a... You know, you just kind of stand there. And well, we're not the kind of band I mean, that I just want to like stand there. Number. Yeah, and it's like, this is not going to be interesting. And Kurt was like, well, let me start sketching some stuff out, maybe. And so we kind of came up with, and so then Kurt brought in another friend of his who was who went to architecture school with him, but was more of kind of like, more of a of a sculptor. Right. And his, metal, his dad had a metal fabrication shop. And so when we were mixing, he kind of, Kurt, Kurt can, came up with some ideas. Um, believe it or not, he came up with the idea from a keyboard stand uh, while he was um, sitting on the toilet at the studio, and I'm all sure my keyboards were in the room. And he, and he, right? <laughs> this is the birth of my keyboard stand. It all kind of like, goes back to the well, bathroom. Some of the best ideas, I'm sure, in this world I'm come sure from uh, okay. I'm from sitting that. on the throne. And he comes downstairs. He goes, "I got it." And I was like, "What?" He goes, "You know that Oberheim keyboard upstairs, and it's got the wood panels on the side. And those wood panels come off. It's this giant keyboard, this giant old school keyboard, right? Big, lots of knobs." He goes, "That's a great keyboard. We could probably." He goes, "You know what we could do? We could probably pop those wood panels off the side, put metal, and then we and they'll have like screws on the bottom. We can bolt it on, and you can." And think of it like an animal head. An animal head turns around, right? And so the it'll rotate and up and down and do all this stuff. So wait, let me call while my you're friend. on stage, the sink can yeah. move. Yeah, and so I had to learn oh. how to play like, you know, off axis. Like as a pianist, you learn right, on right, a horizontal right. keyboard. Well, you're like that was a whole other okay. thing. I'm sideways and up you're... and I'm standing on the keyboard, like playing down and sideways and playing to the audience do down here and, dra and dragging we it around. We want to see it now. I should rebuild this thing. If I had room, I would you. rebuild this keyboard stand and leave it in the lobby here so people could come in. And it was like his museum piece, you know. It's on my list. I just don't know where to put it. It's big and, you know. So, um, and so when I'm on stage, at the, I'm looking at myself on videotape and I'm just basically going like this. <laughs> <laughs> 
goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and up and down and up. And I'm just totally overdoing Such it. Such a and lively no, keyboardist. There's no rhyme or reason to what I'm doing. And so I especially was looking at myself like, don't do any of that. Don't, and you're giving don't away do your, that again. Giving away all the tricks way too soon. Pace yourself, buddy. Jesus. You know what I mean? But the show just started. You got like you, you 45 minutes. You had never minutes. done this before. No. And that you guys started out with just, oh, here's a song we're going to do. We have to now create an entire album out of the and we and we have out to have a stage air and, and got we a also career have to have stage presence yeah and we have to know how to do all this for reals we can't like be mixing on stage that well and then, is fascinating right and then so we you know we play our first show and sure enough like starting in february you know we were out on a major tour we were with sister machine gun and we were touring oh united gosh. states sharing a tour bus we never had a van we went straight to a tour bus we <laughs> shared it with these guys there were literally like I can't even tell you. These guys would bring like their wives out and their managers, and we would have twenty-two people on a on like a, a twelve sleeper. Oh my <laughs> or gosh! Whatever. Yeah, we were packed this bus. Um, but um, they sent us out on tour for several months because the lab- I'm sure that Tommy looked at us on stage and was like, "Oh no, we need, we need to work on this." <laughs> like, nobody even knew who we were. Like we're we're they sent us out on tour. Like all right. So hopefully within the next couple of months, these guys learn how to dress themselves, <laughs> you know, and figure out like how to actually perform as a band. Like we're just going to go out there, let let them, the album's not even out. We're not servicing the single. They're, they won't be able to do that much damage to themselves. They're going to play these little tiny clubs with a sister machine gun. And they're just going to have to figure it out. And that's what we did. We kind of looked at sister machine gun and we're like, how do you suppose, I think I had some like leopard skin pants Ooh, at the time or something like fancy. that. I didn't know. My sister, I I um I took a um I took a vacation uh after we after I mixed the album for a month and I, I took ten days and visited my sister in San Francisco and well, I, you can uh, get I got, I got there. known for this big white hat that I wore. <laughs> this big white hat I wore it all the time and this big white hat. And so she takes me, I'm just kind of like, I need some rock and roll clothes and I don't I don't know what I'm doing because, <laughs> you know, this thing just kind of like fell on my lap. So it's like, okay, let's go down to, um, you know, she had a shop down there near Hate Ashbury. Anyway, she's like, let's go down That's to some of the stores. And so she's like, so she buys me these kind of like fuzzy leopard print pants and like, and it's kind of like a, like a vinyl shirt. <laughs> oh, cute. And then we happen to be in the checkout line. You know, she gets me a handful of things, and that, and none of that stuff. Later on, I learned don't wear vinyl shirts on stage. Like that they don't breathe. Sweaty and yucky. Oh my god! Yeah, like you will die. Stinky. So that didn't last very long. <laughs> but we're standing in line, and she's there's a high shelf with these big white hats on them. And she's like, "You should get one of those. That would be hilarious." Okay. I'm like, "No, <laughs> really." I'm like, "I get one," and I put it on. I'm like, "Why not throw it in the pile?" And I got known for these hats. That is hilarious. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, this has been. But it's funny. Such an. I mean, it's so interesting. That, oh, I could go on and on. Well, Maybe I you know, might want to have me back for like part two. It's kind of like there's like there's like people <laughs> coming in. <laughs> part two, Gravity Kills: The Early Years. All right, I'm telling you, no, but it is really fascinating to find out because you you see bands and all you see is oh here's the end product like. You don't know, like, we don't know all the story that led up to it. How did they get there? What happened to them? They're, it's where always so now? fascinating. Right. And where are they now? And now we know. <laughs> so is everybody back at their old jobs? Is Jeff at yeah, Fox Kurt, Photo? Kurt <laughs> is, Kurt is uh, he's self-employed. He he left the architecture firm, started his own firm. Okay. And he's very successful. Matt is the president of his company. And probably if it gets sold, he said maybe one or two more times he's ready to retire. He's been very successful. I, you know, run Chalk City Studios and, and you know, the building here. And um, Jeff is a talent buyer uh, for uh, Box Talent down in Tulsa. So he cool. does okay, too. Um, he, he, we were talking on the phone the other day, and this is how long it's been since we've done Gravity Kills. He said there's a huge... So he's a talent buyer, basically. He's like a talent aide or um, a talent buyer, I guess. For, right. Uh, for, and so he, one of his jobs is to put on this huge music festival down there. And he said, you know, he said, this is like my 15th one. 
Like we just had a big party because I've literally put this thing on 15 oh times. It's huge kind of like what we have up here, you know, like Point Fest or whatever. They have a huge one down there. Right. It's like it's been that long. We did gra- – we've not done Gravity Kills longer than we've done Gravity Kills, which is strange. And we keep threatening to kind of like we should get together and do another album. I mean, hell, you own a recording studio now. Yeah, you could actually you know, do one. But For real? it's been, yeah. you know – Kind of to circle back to Shock City, as the last ten years has been really harrowing. <laughs> so it's been the between gotcha. keeping the building afloat yes. and keeping the studio afloat during the Great Recession really ate up a lot of my time. But well, I think it's fascinating. Um, but now everything's kind of stabilized, and so now the trick is, and they, you know, Matt's got it. Matt got married and raised a family, and Jeff got married and and has a kid. And Kurt has three daughters, and I only just now got married, and now they want to get together and do something. And it's like I have a kid on the way, my very first kid. <laughs> it's like this is oh, I see what you guys are saying about your bad timing. You know, it's like now I got a kid on the way, and it's like where am I going to find the time? When will Gravity Kills ever find a time to? But do I know piece a good music? studio you can record at. A good one. Yeah, a really good one. <laughs> right with 